Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, family, and thank you so much for tuning back into another powerful segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Steve Fredlin, and here's a bit about Steve. He is a longtime actuary, nonprofit leader, humanitarian, and podcaster who recently has become an entrepreneur and small business owner. He knows the highs and lows of leadership. For the past 15 years, he has been on a quest to understand the driving forces behind a leader's happiness and unhappiness. As a professional speaker, Steve's insights are transforming the lives of leaders across the country. He has spent his entire life in East Central Minnesota with his wife, Tracy, and their three now grown children. He loves podcasting, poker, disc golf, and enjoying Minnesota sports, making fanhood far more difficult. And today we're going to spend time learning how becoming successful and happier is his jam. So without further ado, please do me the honor of welcoming Steve Fredlund to GEMS Podcast. Oh man, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for the conversation. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Steve. And before we dive into our segment, I love to allow the audience to connect with you on a personal level. So here are two options. We could play a rapid fire 10 question game or break the ice up front. Which would you like to do? Ooh, let's do the 10 questions. Okay. Do, 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 do. We're playing rapid fire with Genesis and Steve. So question number one. If you could go anywhere in the world, money was no option, and here's the kicker. You just found out that they're not flying back to your home base. Where are you heading? Ooh, I I knew the answer until you said that last part of it. Um, I'm going to go just North Carolina. I'm going to go small. I was going to go big. I was going to go Rwanda, Africa, but I'll go North Carolina. Okay. (laughs) Two, favorite movie or book? why am I blanking the, the Matt Damon movie right where oh man I should have I should have prepared for this I'll go with um I'll go with story brand I'll switch gears because I can't think of the Matt Damon movie with Robin Williams so story brand the book okay story brand the book number three if you could have any superpower in the world what would it be uh the ability to give everybody empathy mm, that's a good one Four, are you an Apple or Android fan? Apple. Five, coffee or tea? Neither. Ooh, so what's your choice to drink? Well, I'm trying to trying to be more and more water, but it's been soda pop, which is uh, which is not good. So <laughs> six. If you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who are you sitting down with? It's got to be Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Well, let me ask the follow. Why? Why him? Just how? How does how does he say so strong? At least, you know, my perception of him is that he stayed so strong during this with all of the resistance, 
you know, all the all the threats, just just everything. But he kept the vision so hot. And I think uh, as a leader, for me personally, I can get really excited about vision. But man, when resistance comes, it it's hard. And the resistance I had, of course, is nothing like he faced. So is it just something he was just born with? Something internal? Was it around? Was it about surrounding himself with the right people? Like, how did he stay on point uh, throughout his his whole life? Mm. That's very profound because some people would have easily broke down. Yeah. So seven, what is something that motivates you to keep on going when you may be having a blue day? Yeah, right now it is the hope of not having to go back and get a real job. Because, you know, entrepreneurship is hard. And when, when days are tough, when days are, you know, lonely or whatever it is, it's very easy to say, I'm going to go back and get a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I have one New Year's resolution every year, and that's to keep working for myself uh, by the end of the year. And so that's what keeps me going is that, that desire to continue to uh, work on things that I want to work on. Hey, if you could go back and recreate any significant moment in your life, Steve, what would it be and why? That's, uh, yeah, how deep do I want to go here? I would say uh, I didn't really have, I didn't have a father role model growing up. And I think the ramifications of that are still with me today in my 50s. And so I don't know if that's a moment or whatever, but I wish I could recreate sort of having a, a mentor father figure in my life growing up. Nine, if you could give any piece of advice to your younger self, or maybe the up and coming youth, what would it be? Know yourself, know yourself, like authentically to not just what you should be. We'll talk about this, I'm sure during our conversation, but man, just know authentically who you really are. And 10, this is our pass or play question. If you play, I ask one last question. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. So what are your choices? Do you want to pass or play? Oh man, I'm a podcaster. So I want to be able to ask the questions. This is weird for me to be on this side of the mic. So I'm going to pass so I can ask you a question. Okay. What's your question? Same one you asked me, who's your person that you spent some time with, dead or alive, and why? Oh, hands down, my dad right now. Today would have been his 65th birthday. He passed in November of 2020, so I would love to just do what we normally do on his birthday and find a nice restaurant and just go sit down and have some laughs and some good food. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard because some people like, you know, they, they don't know who their dad or they don't, they never had that good relationship with their father. So like whenever I hear it, it's, it sounds different, but then, um, not having him now, like I could kind of feel what someone who did not have a father feels because now there's that absence and that void, especially on significant moments like the birth of a child or different things like that, that you want to celebrate with that loved one and they're not here. I, I love that. And as somebody who, you know, we kind of talked about that already as somebody who, I mean, I wish that I could answer that way. Like I wish that a father was the answer to that question for me, you know, so the fact that you can even answer the question that way is, is great. But yeah, I just, my, my daughter just graduated college over this weekend, you know, and man, to, to have had, you know, a father that was involved or a grandfather that was involved, that would have been beautiful. So, I mean, uh, I'm excited for you to have all of those years where you had those shared moments 
and obviously grieving with you now that it's been a couple of years. That's sad. Yeah, thank you. And congratulations to your daughter. That's amazing. So let's um, jump into becoming successful and happier. Because whenever you think of success, success for you, Steve, is going to be totally different than success for what your wife or some of the people in your network may may feel. And that's okay. And we have to realize that as human beings, we can't look at someone else's success and envy them or have covetousness because you don't know what their vision of success is or what they did to get to that level of success. But we can celebrate them and we can look for ways to complement and build partnerships. So I really think once we think about it from that vantage point, it lets everyone know that it's okay to have a different dream and vision and your own relationship of success. And it does not mean that you're not as successful as somebody else. It just means that your values are different. So um, walk us through your, your vision and perspective of becoming successful and then just having that happiness because there's a ton of successful people out there, but they're not happy. They have all the money. And then if the roles were reversed, here we are like, man, if I had that money, I would do X, Y, and Z. But then if you had all that money, what about if you got it and weren't happy? Yeah. And I would say that's, I, I rarely even put success in the title of something. And I know I provided you with that because, because of that, we, we go to this definition of success that is money or fame or influence or whatever that is. And that could be great if that is actually what you want. But I think we don't often even know what we want. And so the fact that you say, well, these people are successful, but they're not happy. My question then is, are they even successful? You know, because of exactly what you said, how are they defining success? And so I think that's ultimately what happiness comes down to is if your actual reality is lined up with your desired reality. And the issue is we don't really know what our desired reality is. We think it's financial success. We think it's moving up the corporate ladder. We think it's having cars and boats and vacations. And it it might be like, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But if that's not how you're wired, if that's not your definition of success, it is not going to bring you happiness. Like, I'm sorry, Uh, it, it just isn't. And so are you really successful? If you are, you know, if you are achieving and if you are accomplishing and if you are winning this game over here, but your heart is really wanting to play this game over here. Like if you're winning at chess, but your heart wants to play checkers, are you successful? Well, I guess in the world of chess, you're successful, but you're not in checkers. And that's, what's really important, right? This is your life. This is my life. You know, uh, how can we be successful in our life is really the, the critical element of happiness. And so I think a lot of this comes down to, there's so much, um, there's so much pressure, whether it's, whether it's, you know, intentional or not, it's just societal to live life a certain way, to have a certain level of success as we coin it, right? Like, this is my story. And this is the whole, I say Genesis, I like your name, but it's the genesis of my story is, is that where I was successful, right? I had the Fortune 500 jobs, employee of the year, promotion, great wife, great kids, everything on paper was absolutely amazing. And I was terribly miserable. And I was trying to figure out what is going on there. That's what happened about 15 years ago. And so I was realizing, well, everybody would tell me I'm successful, except myself, except my heart. I wasn't successful. What was going on? Yeah. Really quick, because you said something so profound, and I think the audience really needs to gravitate to it. Everyone will tell you that you were so successful, but you did not feel successful. So 
the external validation was there, but the internal validation was not there to solidify what you have accomplished because maybe something was missing. Was it passion or was it purpose or total fulfillment? Because maybe you were just checking the boxes to get things done, but you weren't really intentional in what you were doing. So as you built on that, I want you to like really dig deep and let us in on why you felt the way you felt. Because I think that's so important because if we don't understand why we feel a certain way, then we're not going to be able to navigate on how do we get out of feeling this way. Yeah, that's that's the right question. And that was the, the issue that I was struggling with is, okay, on paper, Everything was great, right? Everything was perfect. I had no right to complain, but inside I was miserable. And that was the question, what is going on here? I would spend every lunch hour walking across the Sonarch Bridge in Minneapolis, trying to figure out why I was miserable when on paper, everything was perfect. And part of that is because of that success, so to speak, I felt like I had no right to complain. You know, I grew up poor. My wife grew up poor. Like, you know, here, here I am, a middle-aged white male in the United States with a Fortune 500 job. What right do I have to complain? You know, and I felt that made me feel even worse because what's wrong with me, you know, that I, that I would feel this way? And so eventually I called a guy who I considered my mentor. We didn't see each other a lot, but he was the one person I would call. Uh, he was a former MBA professor of mine. And I called him and I said, all right, I'm miserable. I called him from the bridge. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't think this is like anxiety and depression, which are, you know, real things that people have. I'm just feeling really miserable about my life. Like it's a great life, but it's not my life. What are we, what, what do I do here? He said, all right, let's have dinner tonight. He cleared his calendar, which was amazing to me. And he sat down and I'm getting to the, getting to your answer, your question, but he said, all right. And within like 15 minutes, he solved this thing. He said, all right, do you remember when we took the strengths finders assessment when you're going through your MBA program? I said, yeah. He said, do you remember your strengths? I'm like, yeah, learner, relator, strategic, self-assurance. Let's see, learner, relator, achiever, strategic, self-assurance, I said. And uh, he said, okay, now, before you got the promotion at work, how much were you utilizing those strengths? All the way, max capacity. What, since the promotion, how much are you using those strengths? Not at all. And, you know, whether you like that personality test or not, the point was, what I realized in that moment was that I was not aligned, my job was not aligned with who I internally was. And it was this misalignment, right? Like both things are good, like who I am, how I'm wired is good. The job was really good, but there's this misalignment between the two. And that's what was making me miserable. And I use the analogy, like, it's like our back right? Our back gets out of whack, especially as we get older, right? And we just, it starts to be uncomfortable. We start losing sleep. We get headaches. We, you know, get irritable. We get miserable. And then we go to the chiropractor and they fix it and we start feeling better. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what this is all about is that I was just out of alignment. I let myself get out of alignment, frankly, because I didn't know who I was and I wasn't making intentional decisions lined up with who I was. I just made, I, you know, I did what you should do, right? I was good at math. So somebody said, you should go to college. Okay. Hey, you're good at math in college. You should be an actuary. Okay. Hey, you're a good individual contributor. You should become a manager. Okay. Like I just did things and not that those are bad things, but I never stopped and said, is this really who I am? Is this really what I want? I just did what I should do because I was easier and I wanted to please people and all of those things. And so ultimately all of those things, the cumulative effect of all of these unintentional decisions led to that point on the bridge where I'm like, what is wrong with me? My life is terrible. 
Wow. And that's like, I'm letting that sink in because how many people listening have ever felt this way where they were just doing things just to go through the emotions and the mundane when in actuality, it wasn't tied to your mission. It's not tied to your purpose. It doesn't fulfill your core values and it doesn't really fulfill the why are you doing it? Because so many times in life, we always heard what do you want to be when you grow up, but not who do you want to be when you grow up? So you were conditioned by the what, and I feel like the what is something that keeps you stagnant, that keeps you complacent and tries to place you in a box when in actuality, none of us were born in a box and we weren't meant to be in a box. So why do we as individuals try to confine ourselves to a certain place or to a certain thing? And we think that that one thing or that place should solidify and define who we are when we are all multifaceted and multidimensional. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, depending on your personality, so too, because some people are wired, like that's great for them. That life is great for them. I'm an actuary. So most of us are wired that we just want to be in a job for 40 years and not think about anything else. And that, that's that's success to them, right? So wonderful. But for me as a multi-passionate, you know, I always thought what was wrong with me? Because, you know, after a couple of years, I get bored. I want to do something else. And I do all those things. So it was always about what's wrong with me versus like you're saying, well, who am I? Who am I really? And doing that hard work or having somebody come alongside of me and encourage me to figure out who I am and realizing just recently, I'm multi-passionate. Like that's what, that's what actually fuels me is being involved in a number of different things. It's not that I'm in the constant quest for something better or the, where the grass is greener. It's that I just love that. And so understanding who I am versus what I do, as you're saying, is, is so critical. It's been so freeing in so many ways uh, because I was what I, I was trapped in that good life. Like I call it the good life trap where, you know, and I know a lot of your, your audience, you know, are people, maybe they're doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, business owners, whoever they are and man, do your thing. But I know because I've spoken to many people about this and it resonates with people that often we feel trapped in our good life. Our life is so good on paper, but that's what traps us because we feel like what, you know, what right do we have to complain? I shouldn't try to get out of this. How, how can I possibly step away from this when I worked my whole life toward that, like me being an actuary, you know, you go through school, you go through eight years of exams, you go through all this stuff, and then you walk away from it and you, people think you're crazy. So there is this sort of pressure that we put on ourselves to stay trapped in our good life uh, because it feels like ridiculous that we'd want to do something else. Absolutely. It's comfortable. And if you step outside of that comfort in that box into the unknown, people think that you're crazy. Like, and I could share my example here, like I have a degree in supply chain and logistics and technology. And when I got laid off from this fortune 500 company in February last year, people are like, why don't you go find another job? Why don't you get back in oil and gas? And I was like, I've done that for 12 years as a whole. And I feel burnt out. And they're like, you're doing podcasting, but do you get paid from that? Are people paying you? And they ask all these questions, 
but then they don't realize that there are benefits of doing podcasts because even though I may not be compensated yet, I get to talk to people and bring um, knowledge to the forefront to help educate other people, inspire or motivate. And it's something different that they may never understand. But my job is not to make them understand and co-sign with what I'm doing because they may never even validate me. My job is to make sure that I am complete and fulfilled and happy with myself because that is who I need to check in with. I'm my biggest advocate. So in your case, um, Steve, as an actuary, first, I want you to share what an actuary is and does and then share what experiences you have gained from stepping outside of that um, mundane so they could see, okay, this is what I was doing. This is what an actuary does. And this is what I was able to step away from. And just because you step away from something does not mean that you're letting the knowledge sink by the wayside. You could still apply the knowledge that you learned in a different setting. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say, you know, being an actuary was great for for many many years. It was great in terms of you know getting paid, and I had some different experiences and that sort of thing. So it wasn't always mundane. Um, for a lot of actuaries, it is. So basically, an actuary is is just highly highly mathematical. So in a sense, what an, you think about what an accountant does, most people know what accounting is, where you record what's happened in the past, right? So you report on cash flows and your balance sheet and your profit and loss. And here's what's happened in the past. Actuaries are more future oriented. So it's kind of taking the same ideas, but putting into the future. Now you're working into probabilities. So for, you know, the most common actuary, somebody who like prices a life insurance product. So I'm 45 years old. I'm a female smoker. How much do I have to pay for hundred thousand dollars insurance? The actuaries calculate, calculate that based on what's your probability of death and all of these different things. So uh, it, it's looking into the future and saying, what's the risk? What are the probabilities? How do we actually create a value of something today based on future expectations? So uh, I was fortunate enough because I think I was multi-passionate because I was able to speak, which a lot of actuaries can't. Uh, very introverted crew we are. Um, I had more opportunities uh, to, to try different things, to be more, I got involved in investments. So I did capital markets hedging. I did that. I did workforce analytics. I started a group doing that. So I was always able to try to do new sorts of things, but that's basically it. And I think for me, what, what you know, part of this was 15 years of trying to figure out why I'm, what makes me happy, what makes me unhappy, trying to get some insights there. And then about four years ago, everything just kind of came to a head where I just had to leave the corporate world. It just wasn't good for me anymore. And, you know, I always tell people, you don't have to quit your job to be able to find happiness. You don't. Because I think a lot of companies are afraid to bring me in as a speaker because, well, he's going to just tell everybody to quit their job. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to find out what really, truly, authentically makes you happy. And even inside of your career, if you're a small business owner, if you are working for a company, like you can still find happiness there. You don't necessarily have to leave. But what has to happen is you have to figure out who you really are, what's going to make you happier, and then talk to your management team, talk to your teams or whatever, say, how can I start to work more doing this or start to, you can structure your job a little bit. And I encourage managers, create that environment, create that culture where you encourage people like, hey, I want, you know, we need you to be productive. We need you to get things done, but I'd love to have you actually come alive and, you know, if you become happier, you become more engaged, there's greater ownership, there's higher productivity, there's more retention, all of these issues that businesses are facing, if they could create a culture where people are happier, those things are helped. And you do that by giving people an opportunity, giving people the freedom to say, here's who I am. 
here's what I would love to do more of, what I'd love to do less of, uh, and kind of take it from there. So I had a long answer to a, to a, a pretty short question of yours, but, but that's really it. Like that's what actually did. And then getting out of it for me was just, I, I couldn't express myself passionateness, I guess, uh, inside of the company that I was in. I had so many projects and so many things I wanted to work on, so many people I wanted to help that I just felt like I couldn't do it in that, in that structure anymore. And it was time for me to go. Absolutely. And the thing that you said that was so proud, profound was that you realized it yourself. You didn't allow somebody to realize it for you and push you into what you're doing now. And as an actuary, the things that you learned and did in corporate, you could apply it very well yeah. in your entrepreneurship journey because you learn interpersonal skills you learn how to communicate, how to manage up as well as manage down. Also, um, understanding ROIs, KPIs. There are so many other things that people fail to realize that what you do in a corporate setting or you do for somebody else, you can very well do it for yourself because that's something that you've been trained on. You have experience on it. Now you just need to learn how to formulate it to work for you and the structure that you're building. So don't think that, oh man, if I if I leave this job, whether it was via a furlough, a layoff, or you just walked out because you felt like mentally burnt out and you felt like, you know, that job did not value you, like you weren't seen, you weren't heard. Don't feel like all of that knowledge has went down the toilet because it has not. Totally agree. I mean, I use that stuff all the time. I might not be doing calculus every day like I was before, but but man, I'm using those principles. I'm using a lot of the stuff that I learned, like you said, all of those things. And even just from a credibility perspective, right? Because my focus is on like really small businesses. Like I help aspiring entrepreneurs, the mom and pop shops, like the, the small community businesses, like those are my jam because I'm a small town person. My wife and I are both fifth generation in the same small town in East Central Minnesota. Kids are sixth generation. Like these are my people, like the corporate world. I love the people, but they're not my people. These are my people. But now what I can do because of the experience I have, the education, the MBA, the actuarial stuff, I can bring all of that to bear to these small businesses and give them great insights into their business that they otherwise wouldn't be able to get because people like me are chasing the Medtronics and, you know, they're trying to get the big consulting contract. So I can actually bring all of that. And now I can help communities become more vibrant by helping their small businesses become more, more effective. And so, yeah, like you said, it's all come full circle and it's all still there. Uh, it's all something that I can tap into as needed. Yes, absolutely. And now I want you to share about your newsletter, and then we're going to hop into the call to action, Steve. So what made you start um, writing your newsletter, Becoming Happier? And what are some of the type of information you put in your newsletters? Yeah, it's really, um, it's all about this whole happiness concept. You know, as I'm still wrapping my arms around what is happiness, what is it not? You know, where does it come from? How does it leave us? All of these pieces, I'm just sharing insights as, I, as I'm learning it myself uh, over the last 15 years as I talk to people, research people, read books on it, and, and just try to apply it to our lives and have all these conversations. So it's really just little tidbits, little insights that I have. So I do LinkedIn videos every day, and I do these newsletters on occasion. I speak about it. It's all, but it's all related to me just trying to understand what is happiness and being willing to say, oh, man, you know, take some new input and say, maybe this isn't quite right. Uh, and just trying to help people on their happiness journey. Like, that's really it is I'm, I'm not a real complicated person. Uh, I'm not somebody I don't have sales automations and all these different things and nothing wrong with that. I just 
I'm just a guy on a journey of happiness, inviting people to come along with me, sharing thoughts that I have, listening to their thoughts. So I'm just, it's just not real complicated. So a newsletter for me is really around just, here's some thoughts that I had. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's have a conversation about it. Much like you doing podcasting, it's, it's that idea. It's not just me force feeding somebody. Hey, listen to me. I'm the guru. I know everything. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. Spoon feed you. Exactly. Some people are great at that. I, that's just not who I am. But I will tell you what I'm learning and I will ask for your thoughts and I will change it as we go. And so that's just, you know, that's not for everybody, but that's that's my jam. I love it because um, as you're putting out that content, it also shows your transparency because you're learning just along with those who are coming into your community. And then you're able to have those diverse, diverse thoughts. You're able to listen um, to what they're saying and they're able to listen from you. And you really see how there are synergies there. So thank you for sharing that and just putting out that content, Steve, because you never know how you may impact and touch someone's life because they may never tell you but as long as you reach one person then you're doing your job because that person is going to go on to leave an imprint that drives impacts in other people and then that's where we see the domino effects and the ripple effects and etc so I think each each day is a new day that we hit that reset button where we could do some good in the world well thanks for sharing that that's that's encouraging right that's you need to hear those words because sometimes you don't know as a podcast host, people don't, as much as you say, Hey, send me a note, let me know what you think. You know, they, they don't. And then when you're off the air, they say, Oh man, I missed you. Like, well, why didn't you tell me you missed me? You know, so it, it can be lonely, right? Cause people don't actually communicate the way that you want, but this is honestly part of my happiness journey is the last year, especially saying, you know what, I'm done trying to build the, the, the business that everybody else wants me to build. Um, and again, good stuff. They can do whatever they want, but I'm just like, I don't want sales funnels. I don't want automation. I don't want to charge what regular consultants want to charge. I don't want to work with Medtronic. I want to work with Jim's plumbing and heating. Like, like this is like my world. And so this whole communication thing too, like I'm just going to put it out there. This is what I'm learning, but I'm not going to pretend like I'm the who'sness of the muchness because some people want to take that platform, right? Where they're like, Hey, listen to me. I'm the, you know, that I'm just so done with all of that stuff. And I, I, I only share that not because about myself, but just to, to get to what you're saying, I think it's just the, the heartbeat of happiness is knowing yourself and then being intentional about building your business, building your life, building your relationships around that. And that's been a learning for me too, to just say, you don't screw it. I don't want that stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. I hate it. I just want to share and help people, you know? So I think that's, it's kind of your point there, kind of your question embedded in there is just know yourself and just be true to it. Absolutely. Now let's segue into our call to action part of the segment. So Steve, once our audience listens to you talk about becoming successful and happier and just really knowing who they are at the core and then allowing that to show up outwardly without being deviated by other people, what do you want them to do? Man, I love that. You know, once, once you know what it is, take action, take steps. Like there, there's two pieces. So, I mean, I know a call to action is supposed to be about me, but I would say if you are, to, you know, tuning into this thing and you're going, that's what I need. It, it's about clarity of who you are, what you want out of life. And then it's intentionality about making decisions that are lined up with that authentic truth, not what other people want, not what you should do, not what people expect of you. Make decisions aligned with that. 
And then when there's that overlap, right? When there's, here's, here's another critical element. When there's that overlap between who you are, what you want and what your actual reality looks like, when things are lined up there where you're happy there, be grateful for that. I think we so much move on from that. We're like, and we so okay, what's the next thing I need to line up? What's the next thing I need to be happy about? Don't forget to be grateful about what, how thing, when things are lined up with what you want. So uh, be grateful for those things, but then just keep pursuing it with intentionality. Uh, from a call to action perspective on my end, I do these LinkedIn videos. Find me on LinkedIn. Let's connect out there. Let me learn from you uh, as well. I've got two websites. Uh, small, small business is all about just small, small business.com because that's what I focus on. Small, small businesses. Uh, that's my, that's, that's my helping uh, the solopreneurs. And then Steve Fredlund.com is more about the speaking side, but my call to action for everybody listening is get clear on who you are and what you want, not what other people expect from you. And then intentionally pursue that thing and then tell everybody about the gems podcast. And there you have it, listeners and viewers. You could definitely find all of Steve's contact information in the show notes. So just scroll down. And for those of you that are listening right now and want to connect with him on LinkedIn, his last name is spelled as follows. It's F as in Frank, R as in Richard, E as in Edward, D as in David, L as in Lucy, U as in Under, N as in Nancy, and D as in David. Fredlin. So Steve Fredlin on LinkedIn, stevefredlin.com and smallsmallbusiness.com. So I want to thank each one of you for continuing to tune in on a regular basis and support the guests that come on and myself. We are here to educate, inspire, and motivate while bridging the gap for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because it takes all of us coming together to share our insights to make this world a better place. And because of you, we are now ranked in the top 2.5% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So I challenge you to really dig deep and find out who you are, how you show up in the world, and what is your mission while you're here on earth because each one of us was given a unique purpose for such a time as this so don't allow your dreams and visions to end up in the graveyard because you were too afraid to activate them while you were living and breathing so until next time make sure you subscribe like and follow us we're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see all things video by heading on over to YouTube and typing in gems with Genesis Amarskin. So peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. And remember, YOLO, you only live once. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share and subscribe to gems podcast on your audio platform as well as our youtube channel gems with genesis mars kemp we would love for you to be a sponsor so please reach out via email at gems g-e-m-s with w-i-t-h genesis g-e-n-e-s-i-s amaris a-m-a-r-i-s kemp K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.